You understand the meaning of the word foreboding. As in badness is happening right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind. Well, you guys are a hell of a duet here. Why'd you start harmonizing? Can I get an encore? Do you want more? Cook and roll with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need you. Because lobsters live for over 100 years. Now what the hell are you waiting for? me, there should be no more. So for one last time, make some noise. That's for John Lennon, you Yankee fucking cunt. Who else is I'm... in this movie? Giamatti? Giamatti is in. So like I said, I thought Colin Farrell was playing the Giamatti role. Yeah. And I wish I was right. <laughs> Come on, because, but that's not Colin's not going to give a a better performance though than what he gives in the movie. If he's but he's going to give a better role. performance than what Giamatti does in the movie. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm Which saying is... I think what you wish is that Colin stayed where he is and that somebody else came in and sure. Giamatti. Role. Um, <laughs> can I hit you with everyone's favorite segment of this podcast? What is it? the the Grand the Canyon. Grand Canyon? Oh. This is this it. is not this is not <laughs> this is this is this is the worst Giamatti performance. An actor I don't like anyway. Uh, this is his worst performance. He's so nails on a chalkboard, irritating as her like kind of very peppy and like dim witted but optimistic chauffeur who like befriends her and like shows her the beauty of L.A. There's this incredibly annoying running gag where like. She insists that everyone call her Mrs. Travers. Yes. Like she yeah. wants to be very formal. And like a lot of people like can't clock onto that, but he does clock it, but he thinks that she just wants to be called Mrs. So he just calls her Mrs. <laughs> all the time. And the movie thinks it's funny. And I like want to fucking like slit my throat every time it happens. Paul, can I pitch something to you for a second before you uh, cement yeah. this uh, opinion of yours? Hit me. Paul Giamatti plays a street thug in F. Gary Gray's The Negotiator. Just that's I've I'm just never gonna, seen I'm just the gonna loft that to you. I'm just never gonna seen the negotiator. I'm gonna do a quick Google of what he looks like in the negotiator. Oh, he looks like Paul Giamatti, but he plays a street thug in the movie. Have you seen the negotiator? I ha- I have I seen the negotiator? It's probably a good movie. I have. It's it's, it's probably it's not very great. You know, it takes place like is Jackson. he one of the hostages? It looks like yeah, he's yeah. one of the hostages. He's one of the hostages because he's taking the police department hostage and he's been brought in. On I charge. gotcha. You yeah. know what? That's probably fine. That's probably fine. <laughs> I'll watch the negotiating report back, but I'm I'm voting for that as fine. Uh, I loathe this performance. I think this is the like the just the, the nadir of the movie on a craft level is what Giamatti's doing here. I think you just take the character out. Like yeah, I, you don't. The, need yeah, that the character's character. the worst. That character didn't even exist in real life. He was added. Ah, uh, no, that's not the worst character in the movie. I know who the worst character in the movie is. Who's the worst character? The worst character in the movie is the fucking stewardess from The Wife. Uh, do you guys remember the stewardess in The Wife? Yeah. <laughs> There's a frame device in the the Glenn Close movie The Wife. Where, what if like, there was a wife? Oh, nobody's seen the wife. I've seen the wife. Nobody has seen the wife. Have you seen the wife, Je- Connor? I have not seen the wife. I have oh, not. So, so, so in the wife, the wife is about like they're going to Sweden so he can She's get the, the wife. She's the wife. We know. Okay. But they're, but they're going to Sweden so he can get the Pulitzer. So on the flight out, the opening scene of the movie, they're flying out to Sweden. She and like everyone's asleep and 
Glenn Close is like a brief conversation with a flight attendant. And it's like these two women like recognize something in each other, right? And then the last scene of the movie is they're flying back. Uh, and it's the same flight attendant. And they have a like, let's wrap the story up. I like know what happened in this movie. You know, I heard all the all the drama that was released. Like, I understand with this flight attendant. And it's so corny because it's like the fucking like timing that would have to land for that to happen, right? Yeah. This movie does the fucking repeat like callback flight attendant yeah. as a joke, but it's years later. Yeah, it's four years later. It's four years. Like in the start of the movie, Travers has like a an argument with a flight attendant. And then four years later, when she's going back to LA, it's the same flight attendant in the same position. They're having the same conversation. Right. And you're like, what I'm the glad fuck we, is going on? I'm glad we spent six minutes investigating this fucking flight stewardess. Can Makes me so mad. The, can we get back to the Paul G. No! <laughs> I hate the stewardess. Um, yeah. I it's just the bad writing of the movie, just right there on its face is the Stuart yeah, guy. Yeah, no, I, I, I personally, uh, I would say I lean towards liking Giamatti, although I don't think he is a consistent actor. Um, I, to me, it's like this, perf- this role is such a wash that like I, I don't even think of him in that context. Mm. I'm like, you just got to just cut this thing from the movie entirely. Yeah, it's the least yeah. essential element of the movie. Like, like if you force her to like love again, Ugh. like I if we're gonna workshop, that's what he accomplishes though, because um, he he's essentially just like voicing a thing that's already in the process of being voiced by the film repeatedly. Yes, you get what I'm. You, you, he just you literalizes ideas of the movie. My daughter's in a wheelchair. Life is hard. Yes. Like that's all he. That's all he's there to accomplish. Yeah, and I'm and still like, happy. The second he's. The second you see him standing in the airport and you realize it's Paul Giamatti, you're like, the only reason, this is my biggest, this is my biggest issue with Paul Giamatti. The only reason why Paul Giamatti is in this movie is because you clock him and you go, there's something really sad about that guy's life. Yeah. Okay. And you're waiting for it to come. That is how Paul Giamatti exists on screen in like 85% of his roles is like you clock him and you see this like, stoutly balding man and you go there's got to be something sad about that guy and then he's <laughs> and then the thing that bothers me the most about Paul Giamatti and again it has nothing to do with him or, or his acting ability or his professionalism is just that the roles that he is given and even the holdovers does this is like you then proceed to be told you you make that judgment upon first clocking of the way he mm-hmm. looks and then you proceed to be told throughout the course of every movie that he's in is like actually his life is even like kind of sadder than you thought it was in the first <laughs> place but it's okay like he can live with it and that that's literally like who that's Paul the Giamatti lesson. is on camera yeah yeah oh my god no, no, it's kind of kind of a boring actor i'm sorry yeah i just don't it's like I don't know if he has anything to do with that because in a movie like um, I really like uh, I'm trying to think of the director's name Tamara Jenkins's Private Life from 2018 yes. um, which he's in with Catherine Hahn they play a, a, a couple in their late 40s who are, who are trying to use different methods to conceive or adopt a child or whatever and he plays such a like 
he he he's a man who's successful within the theater world but because it's theater in new york city like they are still struggling in the sense that like they have to live in rent controlled housing and stuff like that and he he just plays such a more realistic complicated figure of like the actual melding of there are good things in life and there are bad things in life and like life is all about compromising mm-hmm. with the struggles that you have and it's like if that movie can understand it i don't understand why any other movie that he's in can't understand it that's like you don't just have to include this guy because you think he's sad <laughs> you think he looks mm-hmm. sad which is like, I mean, he do, like he, he does look in, sad. He is in the holdovers, and I know that the makeup accentuates it a lot. But they were like, he looks like a geriatric Shih Tzu, and that is the reason why he's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but does yeah. don't you think he maybe leans into his own typecasting? Yes, in terms of what scripts he, he takes, I'm sure in a way that's not interesting. Because to me, it's not interesting. Well, it's sometimes good, but I don't know if it's interesting. Well. I, Cole and I have a friend from graduate school who has an older brother who's like a, a, a not as accomplished as Paul Giamatti, but like a fairly successful actor who works mm-hmm. all the time. And he kind of, I, I don't want to rag on him because I hate doing this, but like he falls in that mold because he's he's kind of like a, a shorter balding man who yeah. looks like an ethnic New Yorker, even though he's not from New York. Um, and we, I have, I'm really good friends with this person and Cole is too. And we have like very long conversations and she is often bringing up how difficult it is for him to like actually find contentment within the industry because yeah. he is only being offered like the worst of the worst roles. And he has to turn, even though he needs to work and even though he's not being paid leading man salary, he has to turn so much stuff down just to end up with like, frankly, like some bottom of the barrel roles because the other stuff is so much worse than the stuff he's actually like accepting and sure. up with. But yeah. there were tiers of character actors, right? Yeah. I, I, I've been working on this taxonomy in my head. There's your traditional, hey, it's that guy, like character actors where they're like somewhat recognized. There's your real deal character actors, which is like the person you're talking about here. Yeah, where they like don't have any sort of following and they're real workhorses. Where if I was to say the name on the podcast, most of the people wouldn't know who that is. Yeah. Off top and of then there's people like Paul Giamatti, who were ostensibly character actors, but are functionally actually movie stars. Um, Giamatti's in this in this camp. Um, fucking Phil Hoffman was like the king of this camp, right? Like, yeah, but these are people about- who who have supporting roles in fucking huge movies and headline like B-level movies. This is frankly what Colin Farrell is as well. My point being that like Paul Giamatti and the person you're referring to have monumentally different career aspirations yeah, and yeah. options available to them. Giamatti doesn't ever actually have to settle. I think he just does settle. Yeah. And that's why I'm disinterested in him as an actor. I don't know if that's true because he's never going to get offered a a, a role that Phil Hoffman would have gotten. Offered. Yeah, he literally. I'm certain Giamatti has taken Hoffman roles since Hoffman died. Um, Phil Hoffman was wasn't Hoffman in the Tamara Jenkins's previous movie? Isn't that Phil Hoffman? I guess that's true. That's what I'm saying. Like that's I just, the literal thing you're slotting into. I don't know if that role in private life works though. If it's if it's awesome. sure, but yeah. like, 
I mean, obviously, like that's what I'm. Verse. That's what I'm saying is like he, they're not interchangeable. Con- in Connor, 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 Hoffman probably could play Jerry Heller pretty well. They're literally interchangeable Hoffman. in the eyes of March. Hoffman. They're playing two <laughs> sides true. to the same coin <laughs> in the eyes of okay. March, Connor. You got me there. Touche. Like there, okay. there is a world where Giamatti is in the Hunger Games movies. Is what? Yeah, I'm but I, I don't. He think, can pull it off. I, yeah. I, mm. I, I don't think the way you're talking about him. Hoffman was like this, where if Hoffman got attached to a script, he could, he had the momentum to get the script made. I don't well, think that's Hoffman's has just that a more exciting too. actor. Yeah. And, and I think Giamatti gets held back by the fact that he's kind of boring as an actor. Um, but Hoffman I do like could have like been I a said, Compton. Hoffman could have been in Jungle Cruise. Like you I know? said, <laughs> stuff like Private Life stuff. I know you don't like it, but like Sideways, I do really like his performance in that movie. Genuinely. Me personally, I like that performance in that. Movie. I I really enjoyed his performance in the holdovers. He's uh, good in the holdovers. Yeah, yeah. I was I was talking more of that trio. I was talking good. more of like when you see the holdovers, you're like, oh yeah, this is a Giamatti yeah. role. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, like, but yeah. no, when you see the holdovers, <laughs> it's the ideal. Fucking, the, yeah. You're fucking running out of the theater like screaming Divide Joint Randolph's name. Yeah, is the mm. thing about the holdovers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's literally what I did to Cole yeah. over text. That's <laughs> the theater. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. This but is yeah, to he's. Say, I don't want to do a Paul Giamatti Rushmore. Because I don't like him. I'm sorry. But we can say he's the most superfluous part of this movie and that his role should probably be cut. And thereby we yes. can say we're cutting the Rushmore. Yeah. Well, Yay! Jeff, if you want to do it, I'll do it with you because I don't think anybody else will want to do it. No, I, I, I mean, I could say some things, but I don't really have a strong enough take on it. You That's what just, I'm saying. We can yeah. do the one. We can do the one we did with Wilkinson just for the hell of it. Where Cole and I just threw. We didn't even talk about the movies. We just went bop 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 bop. I just got through it really quick. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what big, big fat liar holdovers. Okay, we'll go. Your two are the big fat liar and holdovers, and my two are sideways and private life. There, that's right, the set. Yeah, yeah, see, it's so uninteresting. <laughs> it's so uninteresting. Now, and Wil- three, Wil- three of those roles, three of those roles are conceivably like different degrees of the same role. Yeah, and all yeah. three of those would be better if it was uh, Phil, Phil Hartman. Hartman. <laughs> Put that um, out there. Hello, uh, loyal listeners of the Above the Title podcast, uh, America's second favorite filmography podcast. This is Jeff Sweeney speaking, guest of the Scrubs episode and the Saving Mr. Banks episode that I suppose you're currently listening to. I'm recording this January 30th, 30th year of our Lord 2024 in a state of great shame and regret as our new year dawns. I feel like I let the show down in this episode, and uh, even more so, I feel like I let you down, the loyal listener. And even most importantly... I feel like I let myself down. I've swept away in Cole and Connor's fervent beliefs, and I let my own become compromised. I avoided conflict at the cost of my ideals. This is not who I am, I like to believe. And so I'm here today to set the record straight and settle a matter I feel was left rather unsettled. That being that, I am a fan of Paul Giamatti's work. I'm a fan of him as a performer, as a character actor, and as a presence. I let his somewhat annoying presence in Saving Mr. Banks cloud myself to a body of work I otherwise have great respect for. I didn't let that happen with Tom Hanks, but I did not extend the same grace to Mr. Giamatti. I let Colin Connor control an anti-Giamatti narrative, and for that I'm sorry. Sideways, John Adams, Fred Claus, Big Fat Liar, Saving Mr. Banks, and his hopefully Academy Award winning role in The Holdovers. These are strong performances from one of our strong performers, Mr. Giamatti, Listeners of Above the Title, I failed you, and this won't happen again. This is Jeff Sweeney, signing off.
Uh, hey, listeners, uh, just wanted to come in here with a quick little addendum. Uh, this is Cole, Connor's here too. Yep. Uh, it is uh, January 31st, 2024, uh, a few months before you're going to, oh, a few days, I think, before you're going to hear this episode. Um, and we just wanted to say, because we were very harsh to poor Paul Giamatti uh, when we recorded our Saving Mr. Banks episode. Um, it's not our fault that he's mostly been bad in movies. Okay, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> I feel like I wasn't that hard on him. So I don't know why I'm getting roped in roped into your like hatred train for Paul Giamatti. Jeff, when you're listening to this, I just wanted to say that I do not begrudge what I think is going to be the truth, which is that I think Paul Giamatti is going to win Best Actor this year. And I do not begrudge that at all. And that's all I wanted to say. Connor's very I just mad. want to say I think he I, I think he's also <laughs> given really good performances, so I don't know why I'm getting roped yeah. into this. Also, Jeff, I did want to issue a correction. Uh, Jeff said that he's good in sideways, and that is uh, not true. Okay, I, that's all. I no, see, I like sideways, <laughs> nope, and I nope, said this nope. in the episode this as is well. An anti-sideways podcast. Wait, 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 wait. Let me go. Let me let me just let me hit you with you real quick. This is the truth here. Saving Private Ryan, he's not good. He's bad in that movie. <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah, like you agree. Seconds. He's not good. American Splendor. He's 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 not very good in that movie. Uh, Cinderella Man. He's good. Sideways. He's good. No. Vito. <laughs> Vito. <laughs> he's also really annoying in American Splendor. Right, Claus. We don't have to talk about it. Never uh, seen it. Where am I going here? Um, the Ides of March. He's good. Win Win. He's good. He is good in the Ides of March. Yeah. <laughs> Secretly, secretly, like everything with the Ides of March, secretly good. 12 Years a Slave, he's bad. Oh, Mr. Banks, he's bad. The Amazing Spider Man 2, he's bad. Mm, Straight out of Compton, he's bad. But Love and Mercy, he's good, which is very strange because he plays like essentially the same guy in those movies. Uh, he's really good. He's very, very good. Did you see, did you say Straight Out of Compton? I said straight out of Compton is okay. bad. He's bad. But good. but Love and Mercy, he's good. Which to me is confusing because it's like basically That's such character. a weird movie. Yeah. It's bizarre. Um and then as you said, the holdovers he's yeah. good, although I, I don't think I appreciate how he's used aesthetically in that film. Uh, it part of do it. Do you not like, like that he smells like fish? Is that what you're telling me? I think it goes a little overboard. With the it goes a little overboard yeah. with, the, with when it gets into the whole like he smells like fish thing. Like then you're like smells you're, like fish. The joke about his eye and not knowing. Like, I like the eye at. stuff. I think the eye stuff's interesting. I'm just saying in totality. I think yeah. It in totality, up. it's too much. Um, yeah, but I he's good. He's echo. really really good in private life. If he's seen that tomorrow. Great in private life. Yeah. I was. You you are right that I was dismissive. I was probably a little too dismissive. Um, the important thing though. Is that he's like calamitously bad at saving Mr. Max. <laughs> it's, it's just the worst performance. Um, all right. That was just your little note from the future on Paul Giamatti. Uh, even though I think Killian Murphy is probably the more deserving one, I'm not going to be upset when Paul Giamatti wins Best Actor this year. Hey, man, it's upset. all about the speech. It's all about, it's going to be a good speech. That's the other thing the is speech. that the, the past several months of, of, 
Oscar campaigning has like really reminded me that like even if I've never been huge at Paul Giamatti the actor, Paul Giamatti the celebrity is like a great hang, right? Great, just terrific. a great yeah. interview subject, great talk show person personality, like just a fun guy to have in this scene. Begrudge him nothing. The most Jewish Italian on the planet, but I begrudge <laughs> him nothing. <laughs> um Anyway, back to your regu- regularly scheduled episode. Bye. Fuck turfs. That'll Fuck make a turfs. lot more sense uh, in late March. You you can probably guess what it is. Bye. <laughs> I should um, have said BJ Novak, uh, Mount Rushmore. You know who's really good in Saving Mr. Banks? BJ Novak. BJ yeah. Novak is kind of killing it in Saving Mr. The, Banks. I'm the not two of them lie. are fun as the Sherman brothers. Yeah. yeah. So but I have to say something. I get it's a screenwritery convenience. And I get that one of the Sherman brothers was one of the primary sources like that they had access to when they were writing the yeah. script when, when Disney wasn't involved. It's so irritating that the Sherman brothers are like in every – why are the Sherman brothers – consulting on costume concept art for yeah. Mary Poppins. They are songwriters. Yeah. Why are they in the room for when everything happens? It is I mean, crazy that they just keep getting like, because I, I mean, they were involved in the story conferences, but this stuff sure. starts to go beyond story conferences. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I think uh, the way I see it and I'll accept it on these grounds, even though yeah. I know that, experience tells me that it's probably not factual but the way that i see it is like what we're seeing in the movie is like the project has not really even been they they don't even have a crew or a cast or you know like they don't even have a production designer really necessarily by this point these this is pitch meetings to get the project green light green lit so like i can accept it on those terms that like they're invested because they've written the music so they're also just like participating in these aspects of it just to get the project like actually off the ground and rolling. The thing I about think... this movie is that at its core, like the Disney storyline is a seduction plot line. Yes. <laughs> and the movie is much more compelling if it leans into the seduction. Sure. And makes the ending a like inversion on that seduction. Like he yeah. was just using yeah. her to get what he wanted. If it does that, I think most of the choice it makes work. If you put like a coda on the end and cut and like, like make that seduction such a part of the text, but instead it's just him like, even make hey, come twofold. talk to my songwriters. I think you could, if you were going to rewrite the ending in that way, you could even make a twofold where there's an there's an acknowledgement of like these things that you sold to me were a lie and you went yeah. against what my wishes for it were, but then also an acknowledgement of like see all the children out there who are yeah. having a good time with this thing that actually was yeah. made. And like, kind of, that's my favorite kind of, uh, personally, that's my yeah. favorite kind of storytelling of like, what was what the morality here? Like, what what is the eth- what is the ethical responsibility of the people involved here, you know? And if the movie- Which has, the movie you know, doesn't do, the movie has no yeah. attempt to do in any way whatsoever. There's, if you had delved even just a little bit more into that, um, you really get to the heart of the matter. And it it's just it's just so crazy how close it gets, I feel like, to saying something yeah. along those lines and then not doing it and solidifying with movie turned out great. She loved it when that's that's not the truth of the matter. I also think that that they're just having these songwriters in there because they just want to get the fucking songs in this movie. Yeah, yes, of course. As much yeah. as possible. Yeah. Yeah. 
which like g- good songs, great songs, you know, beautiful songs. Like I, I get it. You want to get those songs in this thing. It's it's your number one asset. So something they were talking about um, in the process of writing this movie is the main sources for all the like scenes and dialogue are they have 39 hours of tape recordings of her in the room with them talking. Yes. They have Richard Sherman as a primary source who's kind of giving his tale. And then they have a bunch of letters that Walt Disney wrote uh, to P.L. Travers. Because Walt Disney and her barely spent any time together. Yes. Is the thing. He was not present at Disney Studios when she came. Uh, They only met a few times. The movie, I think, understandably turns all their written communication into like real scenes with the two of them. Makes sense. Which it's a, is it's fine. A, yeah, it's fine. Um, but the it's it's just really strange with all those like those like actual bits of history that they had. They do just kind of turn this stuff into like a history lesson of them making Mary Poppins and diverging from the story of the movie for like thirty. It becomes minutes. so boring. Yeah. This is it's so for for this to be 2013, right? Is when this yeah. movie came out. Yeah. So we're talking literally ten years ago. From here, from where we are right yes. now, almost the, to the day. Ooh, that's this a is, good thing. I should this look up. Is this is a difficult movie to consider through through an analytical lens because it feels like where we are at this exact moment in time. Which for listeners, it's the middle of November, twenty twenty three. I know this episode is going to come out sometime in the future. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows how, <laughs> how 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 long from now it'll eventually come out? But from where we're sitting right now, with the kind of ongoing progressively worsening implosion of kind of the marvel behemoth that has really like obstructed a lot of things for years and similarly this isn't being spoken of as much because so much of the media has been talking about the strikes and 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 everything considering like the contract negotiations and and things of that nature but it does also feel like we are at a crossroads right at this moment in time where the streaming services are realizing that they will never be able to prof- profit off of individual films in the same way yes. that they had been before when it was in theaters, even though that is like a simple economic principle that yeah. you think they would, anybody with a business degree would have understood from the onset. So it does feel like we are at a, 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 a crux, like of a changing moment of the industry, but you can, I mean... you can kind of see in this film in saving Mr. Banks, as we're talking about, there are, there are, roots of a good film of like a meaningful project a meaningful project about corporate entities and about storytelling Mm. and about what it means to 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 produce and sell something to the masses um and it seems to not seems it takes the wrong route from where it begins it doesn't follow those roots It, it 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 takes the easy way out and i think what you can see is over the last 10 years this is like a precursor to the to the industry as a whole, just continually taking the easy way out of of these different creative predicaments that it, that it has put itself in. And I'm personally like I, from where I'm sitting right now, I'm pretty optimistic. It feels like things can the, yeah. the lessons can only be learned from this moment moving forward. I, that's not to say it'll be perfect because it'll never mm. be perfect, but it is kind of heartbreaking to be like, this was 10 years ago and like, boy, they, they, uh, they pooched the kick there, you know? They pooched so the I guess kick? they yeah. pooched the kick on her. Yeah. I kind of want to open this up to a larger conversation just about Disney. Yeah. 
I'd that's love to talk that, about that. That's what I want to talk about. And because no, I don't think there's a media company of that stature that has a more like complicated legacy and then like perception. Mm-hmm. And I think it all spawns from Walt Disney, who is at his core, really a guy who didn't have that many talents. Like he was an okay cartoonist. Um, um, he was not a great writer. He didn't necessarily have much in the way of artistic skills. His skill was he could tell a good story, like literally tell a good story. And then he was good at getting a lot of good people together to accomplish a task and was a very forceful taskmaster at making yeah. it happen. A proto, and this movie is, a proto jobs in some way. Yeah. You yeah. Know, off of the Edison model. Like, God. Yeah. It's, it's it would never Steve... it would never happen, but Sorkin Disney movie just popped yeah. into my head, and I want it so bad. I mean, it is the it's the line from Steve Jobs where he's like, "I they play the instruments, I play the orchestra." Yeah, like that was kind of his his thing. Or even in Oppenheimer, where they're talking about yeah. in the very beginning, where it's like he's not very good at math, but he can see the science, and it's like, and I think there's, there's such a compelling story to be told there. Yes. That this movie is interested only in the like the Uncle Walt side. Well, this is this is why I, I said earlier yeah. that like I think if you wanted to make the the interesting Disney biopic, yeah, that Disneyland is the thing you should orient it yes. around because that is almost the ultimate expression of what was Walt Disney good at. It yes. was making an idea come to life. It's even yes. like the idea of making Disneyland at that moment in time is like a Fitzcarraldo esque yes. endeavor <laughs> yes. that exactly. they're taking on. Yeah. Because, Connor, I know you haven't read the Gabler biography. No. Uh, do you know what the like originating idea for Disneyland is? No. I don't. He basically wants to build a human sized model train set. Yeah, he gets I, really. You into just model said some trains. words, and it like it's not really clicking in my head what those <laughs> he, he words got, actually mean. He got really into model trains. Walt did, and he was like, "What if I could build this, but like life size? Like, what if I could build this space that I've constructed in my basement as like a place people could go to? This like perfect iconic Americana Main Street." Because so much of Walt's like goals in life are to kind of achieve this incredible stature as a way of you know finally being respected by his father that's so much of his motivating factor going into you know making disney productions and disneyland and whatnot and this movie only touches on it it would be like a sorkin would be perfect for it but it really is this like perfect american tale of a guy who, you know, feels disappointed in his father and decides he's going to become the most accomplished person of all life, never gets the respect from his father, and then is now just like having his legacy changed and manipulated by the company that he built for their own ends nowadays. You mean post mortem? Like, yes, post mortem. Yeah. Like he's just like the legacy of Walt Disney is being manipulated and changed like even by this movie yeah this, <laughs> this like i mean the 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 idea that you know you, you said this jeff that like disney 
as a company has a sort yeah. of like stamp of content to it yeah. that that the other studios don't have and that is like partially um because of like Disneyland and Wonderful World of Disney yeah. and like a lot of stuff Walt does to some degree but that is really because of Michael Eisner yes that 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 Michael Eisner one of one of his many genius innovations and like coinciding with home video is make Disney as an idea means something, even yes. if we are still the company that makes Pulp Fiction, right? That like yeah, that that level of siloing, because like Disney the essence, has as that's much, what all great brand managers yeah. have done for, but no ages. one's done it yeah. like Eisner did it for the idea of dead Uncle Walt. Yeah, you yes. know Warner Brothers is probably the closest, and they can't fucking like write the shit. Well, it's also difficult because it is it is a bit easier of a maneuver to be like, this is the house where you can trust us to take care of your children. Yes. Than yes. it is to be like, you come to us for gangster movies, you know, like that's, that's a harder I'm, that's a harder brand brand person brand identity to kind of yes. embody. Yeah. I'm glad it's going to come out. I'm very upset that I'm going to watch a Looney Tunes movie that's not going to start with the Warner Brothers shield. It's so that silly. feels perverse. Oh, oh, the the coyote, coyote versus acting. Yeah. That feels yeah. like obscene to it's me so that Warner's yeah, is going to shop that to someone else. Like they're ugh. getting a. Um, did you see like a Congress person called for them to yeah. get in, in, investigated? Yeah. And I think he's serious too. I think he's very yeah. serious about. Oh yeah, it. I mean it is. It is a serious. I mean it's a silly thing because it's, we're talking about movies here. But if you apply that to other industries, it's a very scary context. Well, yeah, what, about. what yeah. he said was basically that, like, at the crux of the idea of a merger being non-competitive, which the current Warner Brothers company is the result of a merger right they sold warner brothers to the discovery channel at the crux of the idea that mergers can pass because they're not competitive is this idea that like products won't disappear from the shelves yeah and under discovery channel that has not been true for warner brothers and therefore it's an antitrust violation because they're doing this it's an antitrust violation i want you know what sorkin movie i want Tell me. I want the Sorkin movie about the 48 hours between the two Coyote versus Acme announcements. Oh, I'd see I want movie. the fucking tell-all drama about <laughs> who fucking yelled at David Zaslav enough to get him to reverse <laughs> this decision. Who yeah. who pulled projects from Warner Brothers? How fucking bad do you have to be at running a company that you don't make another Clint Eastwood movie? This is what I don't understand. How fucking bad do you? I I, isn't there one coming out? Not at Warner Brothers. Oh, it's with a different. What's it's with Universal? With? I think right, Jeff. Oh, wow. Jeff, you would know. I think so. Oh, uh, because see. I yeah. think he, because both he and Nolan went to Universal from Juror Number Two. It comes out tomorrow. They shot it yesterday. No, oh, it, it is, is Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers. Oh, so they, so they yeah, did yeah, fucking yeah. But they you didn't do what? crime. They took his office away. You know what? You know they took what? his office away. It's it's an it's a Warner Brothers acquisition. It's not an in-house production. Oh, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah. They weird. fucked up. That's really weird. Yeah. So they, they clearly they didn't realize they fucked up. It's um it's Gotham, who are the guys who do uh the Maze Runner movies. So it's West an independent 
it's yeah it's the, it's that company so it's uh it's it's an independent production that warner's is releasing okay what was the point <laughs> <laughs> I, they probably spent more money on the acquisition than they would have if they just paid for the, the film in the first place yeah to be clear i hate Bob Iger and I hate David Zaslav and I hate them for different reasons. I hate Bob Iger because Bob Iger tried to destroy movies and came very close to succeeding. Mm-hmm. I hate David Zaslav because he doesn't know what he's doing and might destroy movies in the process of being a bumbling TV moron. Oh man, yeah. It re- it makes you yearn for the days of Michael Eisner. We're continuing to be full of hot hot scorching. Eisner, <laughs> can you name a failure under Eisner besides the fucking Sixth Sense debacle? Right. You can, and it is the only one is all the direct-to-video sequels. Um, Made that, money. Yeah. They did make money. Worked out, did not hurt the brand, right? That was a good fucking revenue source that like paid off mm-hmm. because the, the what could have been a problem with that was diluting the market didn't end up happening. Mm-hmm. Do you That's know, fair. Connor, about Michael Eisner's Sixth Sense fuck-up? I do, but I, I couldn't like recap it for he, you. Yeah. I, so the Sixth Sense is Touchstone, which is obviously the Weinstein's, which yeah. is um, Disney's like adult Dis- imprint. That, yeah, but but yeah. they're open. Eisner was mad at the Weinstein brothers for something else, just like general a, a general sense that he felt the Weinstein's were spending too much money. Yeah, sure, um, anything that those guys could have done. Yeah, but no, 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 it was it was a business thing. Like he it had nothing to do with the sixth sense. But Eisner was just like pissed off at Bob and Harvey about financial mismanagement and a sense that Miramax and Touchstone were overspending. And basically, as a way to fucking like cut their balls off and remind them who was boss, he looked at their balance sheet and he was like, Why the fuck did you spend 40 million dollars on an adult drama starring Bruce Willis? sell the distribution rights internationally and domestically. The Sixth Sense was the highest grossing live action Disney movie until The Force Awakens. They lost so much money on The Sixth Sense because Eisner was just like being petty and wanted to screw over a fucking Hail Mary pass that Bob Weinstein had negotiated, which was a smart, which paid off, right? Yeah, so is it really a failure in the first place? Because they didn't make the money. So? They they left so much money on the table. So? He was making a point. That's not what making business a point. It was a do, bad Cole. point. That's <laughs> what businessmen do. The only reason The Sixth Sense was not the highest grossing movie of 1999 is because uh, Phantom Menace came out that year. The Sixth yes. Sense outgrossed the highest grossing movies of 98 and 2000. That movie made almost $700 million worldwide 25 years ago. Eisner fucked up. That's his only real fuck up, though. And then he lets fucking Katzenberg go. That's the other fuck up is that he pisses off Katzenberg. Katzenberg, Read Disney War, listeners. It's the most fascinating book ever written. Connor, have you read Disney War? You love Disney War. Yeah. Yeah. Disney War is so good. No, I I was I was all like Jeff when I was younger, where it's like my dad. I don't know if my dad was idolized Walt Disney the man but like my dad always felt like a comfort with the Disney nostalgia so like like my dad wore a wristwatch that had like Mickey Mouse on the on the face of the watch and and stuff like that and we had like prints of the different characters like hanging up on our walls and and things like that. that's what my dad was exactly the same 
Yeah. And when I think about it in those terms, I, I do think about like Disney cultivated this brand image where they were yeah. classy and safe and it felt like home and it, it felt like they felt like they had standards that they upheld for like the betterment of the yeah. the nuclear family unit. And because I think that if like you were to use your time machine and bring Walt Disney even into like the 90s. He's probably, well, maybe not the 90s, but if you brought him to like nowadays, he's probably really bummed about the company aside from the financial stake. He, because the, the conglomerate sure is pretty. so at yeah. odds with what he wanted to do as, yes. a, as, a, as a businessman. And not just as a businessman, but, you know, like I said, complicated legacy. Like he would like, he was a union buster. Um, yes. Got, you know, uh, sold out a lot of people to the McCarthyites. Yeah. Took a lot of credit that wasn't his. Yes. Got to put all uh, that in perspective. But he and, uh, also, pushed... to be clear, to be clear, this is an important part of Walt Disney's legacy. A bad businessman for decades. Yes. Like only pulled that sucker out of the fire in the, the lighter, later years of his life. Yes. Like horribly mismanaged company, constantly bleeding talent, movies that were losing money. Like, not this like wonderkin genius, like a guy who failed and failed and failed again and made great movies in the process until yes. he fucking like managed to get stable. That is the story. And, you know, he was always trying to experiment and do different things with the company for better or for ill. That was the move. When yes. Eisner comes in and I, you know, Eisner did save the company um, technically but when he comes in and he establishes this like brand image and now everything Disney has to fit the Disney brand, which is very much at odds with what, you know, Disney himself wanted to grow the brand and make the brand fit yeah. more things. Disney could mean a lot of different things instead of now it's so limited into what it means. It's so like, limited that they fucking made a movie about the star and when you wish yes. upon a star. <laughs> It's a movie that insane. I actually think looks kind of good. Wait, but that's like, what that... Uh, yes, I just right now realize that's what that movie yes, is supposed to be. That's what that is. I had no idea that that's what... Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, are we seeing that next Sunday? Uh, I'll have to talk to Mark. Hey, man, that talking um, goat. That, that, that goat seems I funny. think that movie looks kind of good. I like I mean, the I art like style. Is the art style like yeah. the, the, as yeah. as an animation nerd that looks interesting? Um, can I just briefly interrupt with breaking news, Connor? Yeah. Uh, Entertainment Tonight has broken the story uh, that at Monday's Chiefs game, uh, Travis Kelsey's parents and Taylor Swift's parents are going to meet. Oh, we we already knew that. Cole. They're getting married. <laughs> we already knew that. We love happen. it. Yeah. We're gonna have to get into this on next week's episode because I got into it with our guest from next week. But whether or not this is a fake relationship, I don't. I don't know about this for sure. But like from what I can understand, so you know, Taylor Swift did not grow up without privilege outside of the Philadelphia area. Sure. I'm pretty sure her dad was like a primary financial consultant for former Philadelphia Eagles head coach Andy Reid, who is the current Kansas City Chiefs head coach. So I'm almost oh. certain. I'm almost certain that the way they met was that coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, introduced Taylor Swift and, and Travis Kelsey together. But from what also, it seems like, it seems like her her he the, her dad and, and Andy Reid had known each other for some time. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Now maybe I am wondering if it's fake. Yeah. 
No, it's real. Did you see the video of them smooching in Argentina? I don't that I don't think it's fake. I think it is yeah. real. Did you see yeah. the video of them smooching in Argentina? Of course I've seen it. It's so good. I've watched it a hundred <laughs> times. It rocks. Of the the, it the way the camera like pans over and he's just standing there, this like hunk of meat with this like shitty grin on his face before she runs up to him. Jeff, I don't know if you saw this video. This is you know, this I do like like Taylor you brought Swift, it up. Travis Kelsey update for this. You brought video. it up and I don't want to be too <laughs> cute <laughs> with uh <laughs> You brought it up and I don't want to be too cute with these kind of like proclamations, but there is something similar between like Taylor Swift's like awareness of her brand and like in conjunction yes. with her own like corporate entity that yes. like relates to this conversation that we're having about Disney. And like where I land on it essentially is like, I think to say that any music that is being published and put out into the world does not have some kind of like monetary aspiration to it is like sure. a pretty naive view to hold. Yes. And yeah. like I, I think the way that like we tout certain the 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 kind of like uh, dismissal of optimism as like a thing that actually isn't true in any way whatsoever it has always been like pretty silly to me don't because... get me on the optimism train <laughs> but but it's that dismissal has always been pretty pretty silly to me because i'm like even for artists who do take their if we're talking about music even for artists who do take their lyricism very seriously and kind of whether for their own personal taste or because they are seeing like an open part of the market they they kind of aim to be more of that independent like critically acclaimed singer songwriter aesthetic they're even doing so because they understand that there's like a need for that within the marketplace of music as a product that needs to be sold. And that, that, that's like a pessimist, that's a pessimistic lens to like view it through. But I do think like it's only pessimistic if you view all commercial activity as being like horrible for the soul and mm -hmm. like, it's a little horrible eroding. for the soul. I don't think all commercial it's, it's smooch horrible for this i think i think i think the like fascism of like late stage capitalism is eroding to like everything that we hold mm -hmm. near and dear but i don't think the like people want this and i want to give people what they what they're asking for and like i want to entertain and i want to give them something to feel good about and i don't necessarily like view that as a like, bad like, thing like two percent like two percent <laughs> but you but you you get what i'm saying as like there there is like a genuine there is like a I... genuine connectivity there in a transactional sense but like it is it is it is real to some extent and i, I... do think like the good aspects of disney is that like disney has under as when disney has worked as a brand has like understood that as well yes i uh i work in a grocery store and I had a bit of a breakdown the other day about um, just the amount of, like, death and destruction that has to, like, occur for me to, like, get a paycheck. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. environmentally, ecologically, labor-wise, the trucks, the shipping, the plastic. I'm like, talking I about the this... commercial. I'm talking about the commercialism of art right now. I know, it's a, but, like a very but it's different, all of a yeah. piece. Yeah. It's all of a piece, Connor. It it's is of a piece, but, like. Unitary. I'm becoming very anarcho-primitivist. No, uh, I agree. This like I, 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 we should I, all I think be my, Ted Kaczynski and go live in the woods. I think my non like let's do it. More <laughs> radicalized friends always like look at me as the one who's 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 being like we need to. I'm like the fucking Tyler Durden. Like we got to blow up all the <laughs> we have to <laughs> collapse all the buildings that like house national debt and shit like that. But um, do you remember when we had that conversation about how 
Eric Adams could like destroy the world economy if he wanted to, and that would probably be a healthy thing. And was Langston awful. was like, "What the fuck are yeah. you guys talking about?" That was a just, long like, conversation. That was Connor. Connor once posited that like if if man if New York City decided to secede from the United States, the entire world economy would implode. And I was like, "Yes." Now, would this be a yeah. good thing? Because I think this would be a good thing for the. Well, human no. What I, I okay? If we're gonna get into it, Jeff, I, I proposed like multiple things. Was essentially like if the city of New York wanted to secede from the United States, one, in fact, they could do it. Like yes, that it wouldn't be impossible. To the entire like world economy would collapse because of it. Oh, yeah, three, Wall Street is there. Yeah. And like Cole and I were having like Cole and I went for probably so- over the over the course of like maybe six and a half hours, explored one <laughs> percent of the possibilities that could happen. And like the three people we were with had no idea what was going on in any way whatsoever. <laughs> like the three people we were with were just asking me to define like currency and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, read debt the first five thousand years by david graber um but um i gotta play around to it yeah oh that's such a good book there is a sense that like i do have to commend the company and the history of the company of disney for being like what what's so bad about like the market of like letting children learn about their emotions through these like very uh, sugar-coated what, what's not bad about that is that it is, yeah. is this what we're in that's the problem with that's it. what um, i'm not yeah. disagreeing i know, I know you, you are i'm just, I saying, know you are. Yeah. I'm just feeling very psychotic this yeah. week no um, you're not you're not wrong i think it, in today's stage of the world to feel psychotic for these reasons is actually like a very normal response yeah it's a, it's a yeah it is probably the healthiest response to have yeah tyler durden was right and I'm sorry, uh, this take, this take that like Fight Club is actually like stupid and silly is 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 a pretty bad take. Actually, the thing about Fight Club that like Fight Club is a satire is that um, Tyler Durden's actually wrong because blowing up the credit card buildings doesn't do anything, do anything because anything, servers yeah. are held off site. Um, yeah. Can I actually throw you a, a take, Connor, that pops in my head? Because sure. I've been thinking a lot about David Fincher lately because Blake Check's been doing Fincher and the killer came yes. out. And there's this idea that you know, Fight Club has this bad fandom, right? That all these people have looked at Tyler Durden as like a aspirational figure and have missed the satire. And I kind of had the realization a few months ago, I've never actually met anyone who thinks that way. Yeah, I don't know yeah. where I don't know are. who these people are. But you know who I do know? People like, that think that people who look at American Psycho that way, because I know people. Well, yes, that. I know yeah. people who do that. I know people who look at train spotting that way. But you know who I know most of for people like where people miss the joke? I know In dozens Psycho? of people who thinks that think that Amy Dunn is kind of cool. That's the David Fincher movie with the bad <laughs> fandom of people who don't get that this character is an awful person. <laughs> that is true. It's yeah. Gone Girl. Yeah. The, the girl bossification of Amy Dunn, which to be fair predates the movie like that was a big thing that happened in the book yeah those are the people who aren't getting the joke is the like good for her canon emerald fennel isn't getting the joke when she makes promising young woman right i'm seeing saltburn on friday and i i just like i'm seeing it with two women that i work with who are very excited to see it and i don't think i've seen promising young woman and i'm kind of just like Oh, Here's the thing about Saltburn, though, Connor. I read like, yeah. Jacob Elordi is six foot five. 
Paul is he also he also looks like broken Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. So I, he looks so I, like they fucking stretch Armstrongs, Josh Hutcherson. Um, <laughs> so, so um, stop trying to fuck me and sit there and let me read you this numerology text. I'm read you this book. Oh my god! I'm next week. I, I will see that oh. next week. Colonel Parker says I have to stop with the numerology. I so, okay. We so, will watch a Coppola at some point in this podcast. I'm Connor, so excited. Can I tell you what's good about Priscilla? So here's the thing about Priscilla is that we all saw Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Yes. Yeah. And we're very aware that Tom Hanks gives his fifth best performance in that movie. Yeah, there's, <laughs> as, there's your fucking as, Grand Canyon right there, baby. As, as Colonel Tom Parker. Um, I don't know if it is just by complete hack of the stance or intentional, but Priscilla as a movie does not feature Colonel Tom Parker in the movie. He's not, I believe he's not that a is a legal concern. Legal concern. I think that's a government film. Or but, uh, like, with the estate, the estate of Colonel Tom of Parker. Colonel Tom Parker. <laughs> yeah. But here, here's the thing about how Priscilla treats Colonel Tom Parker. Is he is treated like the Emperor is treated in most yes. Star Wars media, where he is where he is spoken about in hushed tones in rooms or only on phone calls. <laughs> like, have you like ever Elf- have you ever seen um I forget who the filmmaker is, but have you ever seen the assistant that came out a few years yes. ago? That's like yes, you are you about... are totally landing. The, it's what's essentially going on Jeff. Have you seen that movie? I've not seen the assistant. It's it's essentially it's like and it, it, they they don't say like the guy is yeah. Harvey Weinstein, but it's essentially like an assistant who is working for the Weinstein yeah. company, and it's like. Every once in a while, she'll get a phone call from Harvey Weinstein, and you can't hear what the guy is saying, but he's basically just like, well, I get him to work. I'm gonna fucking <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm gonna fucking that's also what yeah. she said did. Yeah. You you see, like, the back of Harvey's head in one shot, but Harvey is mostly, like, a presence on the phone. Yeah. And she said. Because um, I think there's, like, a scene in Priscilla where some guy comes into the room and is like... Elvis, you got a phone call, and he's like, "I don't feel like answering the phone." It's the Colonel, and he like grabs the phone, and it's literally that scene in Empire Strikes Back where the Imperial guy's like, "Lord Vader, we're getting a call," and he's like, "I don't want to answer." He's like, "It's the Emperor." He's like, "Pull the ship out of the asteroid field." The thing about Priscilla, a movie I like that is just not as good as Elvis, is that at no point in Priscilla does Jacob Elordi see Bobby Kennedy get shot and then say, "Priscilla, <laughs> the people need me." Do a Christmas special on TV. <laughs> um, no, uh, there's there's weirdly too much Elvis in Priscilla. You'll get it if you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, Priscilla mm-hmm. is, as someone who likes the emptiness of Sofia Coppola movies, who loves Sofia Coppola, and who likes kind of low-budget, janky, weird projects, which this decidedly is, Priscilla is kind of torn between being the interesting Sofia Coppola Priscilla Presley movie, which is great. And functionally, I am sorry, being an shitty unauthorized music biopic a la the Andre 3000 Jimi Hendrix movie or the fucking David Bowie movie from a few years ago where they can't use the songs and like there are people they legally can't depict on screen and they have no money and there's like a weird energy to that movie and a Lordy's like eh and it, they, so they it, don't so there are no Elvis songs in Priscilla no Elvis songs see I I know you, you I know use... Cole I know you don't necessarily like this filmmaker but like what I do love about the Todd Haynes movies is like sure. 
he he's when he can't it it's almost it's so much better for him when he has these constraints because he just goes off and sure. does something that's and, like and so much more of emblematic like, of the tonality that he's trying to achieve yes yeah. and in a way that this movie is not interesting for having those constraints you'll get yeah. what i mean when i see it kaylee spaney is fucking insane in it yes um should we talk Jeff, about, i know what um, you're about to say they use yeah they have a Lordy singing songs that the Elvis estate does not own the rights to yes. that Elvis recorded at one point in his career. And the use songs that Elvis covered that they, so they're able to use they? like the instrumental. Do Cause they? I believe, because I believe they use Can't Help Falling in Love with You. I did not hear that at any point. They use it instrumentally. Well, I'll check back in with you guys on Friday and I'll let you know. <laughs> famously, <laughs> the movie the movie ends with a song that Elvis very famously did not cover. Uh, one of the more famous things about that song. Yeah. I will always uh, love you. Should we, uh, should we talk a little bit? I know we're running down the, well, the clock here. Well, but Jeff, I we... know that you had mentioned to me a few months ago that you had planned a game. I wanted to know if that oh, was God. still in the cards. Oh, yes. I did have a game. <laughs> um, let me try and... When we were driving I... to Indiana. I built this a while ago. Let me... F- okay, I did... F- oh, my God. I built this entirely several years ago. Several um, years ago? <laughs> or several months. I built this on August 29th. Um, yeah, because August 30th was when we went to Indiana. Yes. Okay. So first, I just want to say earlier in this episode, I thought about bringing up Priscilla as an example of how to make Saving Mr. Banks better is you do like sure. that seduction aspect. And I just want to say it's funny that we brought that we ended up coming to it anyway. Um, it's a, so here's it's a, the game. Connor, you're going to like it. It's just it's just one of her weaker movies is all I'm saying. So I didn't organize this as I wanted to, but I'm going to read you the name of an actor. Okay. And you are going to tell me what Disney animated movie oh, did they fuck. voice a character in? Fuck. Oh boy. Okay. And I have and I have only used real actors you will recognize. Yes. So no voice I have actors. No voice actors. Um, we we actually no John Ratzenberg. This is very fitting because we actually had a conversation last week about the weird tension in animated movies between voice actors and like B listers, B lister live action actors, and like various studios like relationships to this and how how Disney doesn't like play the game same game the way that DreamWorks does. So this weirdly would have fit better last week um but i'm glad we're doing this this is fun so i'm gonna try and do it uh by most recognizable downward and i'll just kind of randomize it from there um you get two points if you you get one point if you can tell me the movie you get two points if you can also name the character interesting should i be keeping score who's keeping score i got i got a scorecard up you got a scorecard great I got, I'm gonna I get, got I'm gonna get smoked, I feel like. Yeah, I think, you know what, you know what, Connor? Yeah, you fucking are. All right. So first up, Robin Williams. Genie, Aladdin. Oh, is Two this points just, for Connor? Are we just yelling it out? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Whoever can get it first. What else are we gonna do? I we could have gone back and forth. Okay, continue. Oh, you want? Okay. Oh, well, we do that. Do you want to do no, that? Yell out, yell out's fine. No, 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 no. Cole, 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 take the next one, and then, I'll, and then, if he, if he can't do it though, and I can do it though, then I get his point. Yeah, yes, that's that's the way I'll do it. All right. So Cole, Demi Moore. Fuck, is she what? in? <laughs> I don't. 
Oh, she's in Hunchback, right? Is she Esmeralda? Yes. That's what yes, okay. she is. Wow. Okay. Nice. Yeah, pulled that out. All right. Connor, Rip Torn. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. What the fuck? Uh, who's like a Rip Torn? Is he um, uh, King Neptune in uh, The Little Mermaid? He is not. Cole, Damn. would you like to steal? You're actually in the right territory. Um, he's Zeus in Hercules. Yes, fuck. he is. But it's, it's the same character. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so Cole, James Cromwell. Fucking Croms? <laughs> I, I'm i sorry. I don't know. Connor, would you like to steal? Cromwell, Cromwell, Cromwell. The homie? Is he is he in Atlantis, will be my guess. He is not in Atlantis. I he thought plays... maybe he'd be the old guy. You could fucking Atlantis. tell me anyone's in Atlantis. And the only one I know is I'm pretty sure Lacey Chabert's in Atlantis. <laughs> He is yokai in Big Hero Six. Never, in a I never years. saw. <laughs> never in a million years. Oh, can we actually ground rules though? These are just WDAS movies. Yes, just the okay. main fifty-four, yeah. whatever number it's at. It's higher than that. It's like fifty-seven or something. Is fifty-seven? All right, I'll look it up. Connor Leonard Nimoy. Whoa, Leonard Nimoy is is a oh, wish man. is gonna wish is sixty-two actually, Jeff. Oh God! Yeah, because Tangled was fifty. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who Leonard Cole, Nimoy. Was. Do you know who um, um, Leonard Nimoy plays? I isn't he in Robin Hood? He is not. He's not. But it's that era, right? No, that's not okay. That I don't know. Uh, he is the old guy in Atlantis. Fuck oh, off! The- <laughs> <laughs> no one's seen Atlantis. You can't prove it's a real movie. That sucks. I suck. also I, I have a lot of these. I'll just I'm, I'm not going to do them all. We can do but, them all. It's fine. Yeah, Cole, you want to do them all? Cole's up. Here we'll do um, we'll do just just count like 15 Mississippi, and if you can't do it in 15 minutes. Oh yeah. yeah well, I'm yeah. I'm good to like immediately throw it yeah. off to you too. All right, Cole Wayne Knight. Oh, Wayne Knight on. is in Hunchback as well, right? He's one of the gargoyles. He is not. He's Connor, not. Would you like to steal? Wayne Knight is in Hercules, and he's one of the uh, Hades's minions, right? He is not. He's oh, not. No. Is it that character though? Like we're, we we basically identified the same character across these movies. Wayne he Knight is, is the... in Space Jam. He is as Wayne Knight. He is the elephant in Tarzan. Okay, we're we're in the right <laughs> zone here. <laughs> I was just looking at the Tarzan cast list because we were talking about it on Epic because yeah. we were talking about how bad the songs are in Tarzan. Yeah, <laughs> opinion we both hold, right, Connor? Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, good, good soundtrack. Um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Connor. I know this one. Is Joaquin Phoenix the Hunchback of Notre Dame? Nope, he is no. not. I know who the Hunchback is, and I'm going to be mad if he's not on this list. By the way, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is in Brother Bear, and I think yes, he, he is. is the titular Brother Bear. He is the titular Brother Bear. Do you know the name of that bear? Fuck off! No, I don't. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. You get one point. He is Kenai. Okay, Kenai. I don't know who the other bear is in Brother Bear, um, but I do know that Joaquin's in it. The other bear is um, Jeremy Suarez. Are we reusing? That's a voice actor, I guess. My neighbors. Are we, are we reusing movies at all in this list, Jeff? There are a few reused okay. movies. I can avoid that if you'd like me to. No, I had fine. a neighbor just... growing up that is like nine years younger than me, yeah. and uh, 
he had older siblings. So like my family used to hang out with their family all the time. Mm. And the, the youngest one who was like nine years younger than me loved brother bear. And then one day he was just like, they were like, you can't even mention brother bear around him. It was because one day he was watching it and like, he became conscious of the idea of death while watching that movie. <laughs> and, 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 and he was just like, you can't that even rules. mention that movie around him anymore. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's mine. Well, Idris Elba. Idris. Idris Elba. And it's just WDAS. Yes. So it's not the Jungle Book. It's not that. It's, it's not recent. Finding it is recent. So I'm going to guess... Having not seen any of these movies, I'm going to guess that Idris is in Strange World because it seems like the sort of thing that would happen. He is not in Strange World. <laughs> but he Connor, could be. Do you, do you know what movie he's in? <laughs> is he in uh... <laughs> um, eh, Shot in the Dark? Is he in Encanto? He is not in Encanto. He is in okay. Zootopia. He plays the police. Oh, yeah. Fuck, he is in Zootopia. Yeah. yeah. Same same year as The Jungle Book. That's so weird. Like, a month apart. All right. Is he the, the tiger in The Jungle Book? Yes. He, yes. He's your con. He's good. Connor, you have, a, you have a chance for Jersey Glory here. Because oh, I'm going to tell you that Zach Braff is in a Disney oh, movie. Oh, this is a fucking layup. This one's so obvious. Is Zach Braff... Chicken Little in the he movie. He is Chicken, Chicken Little. Little. That Chicken is Little. the yeah. only time Disney has ever done DreamWorks style casting, where yes. they cast the FAMO in a character designed around their persona. That's really the only time they've done like a DreamWorks style movie. Yes, well. but yeah. like, like that is Zach Braff in a Zach Braff movie, right? Where they were like, let's take the the fairy tale of Chicken Little or just the whatever it is, nor- nursery like, rhyme or whatever it might be, and be like, it's actually like aliens attacking the earth and the sky. Ugh, is I've never seen that again. movie. <laughs> uh, Cole, can you tell me what movie Scatman Crothers is in? Oh, Scatman. I mean, that could be, that could be anything. I'm gonna once again say Robin Hood. No, the name. You had the um, opportunity to say Coonskin and you didn't say it. He's not. That's not a Disney movie. I know. I know. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Connor, do you have any idea what movie Scatman is in? Is he in? Uh, oh, no, I was going to say. I was going to say the Jungle Book, but that's not him. Scatting nope. in the Jungle Book. Yeah. No, the name is in the title. He plays Scat Cat in Aristocats. Oh. Okay. I'm in the right <laughs> era. I'm in the right. Wow, he's young. He's got to be young in that one. A movie I loved as a child, by the who's way. The, who's the, oh, wait, I don't want to spoil if you're going to bring him up, but who's the monkey in the Jungle Book? The scatting monkey? Uh, I don't uh, think it's actually anyone famous. I think it's someone yeah, doing, it's a, a, it's someone, it's someone no, doing it's not, a Louis Armstrong famous. impression. Is no, what it's it is. whoever did, uh, whoever sang Pennies from Heaven. Okay, but they're doing a Louis Armstrong Louis Prima. impression. It's Louis Prima. It's sure, movie. but yeah. he's doing a Louis Armstrong impression. Well, he's doing, that's who he no. is. No. <laughs> that's what he sounds um, like. Jeff, hit yes. Connor with the next right. one. Connor, can you tell me what movie Mini Driver is in? What the fuck? <laughs> is Cole's 2014 Best Supporting Actress winner <laughs> Mini Driver? For for Beyond the Lights? For Beyond the Lights? Mini yeah. Driver? Oh, she's incredible in Beyond the Lights. That's like the uh, only performance of hers I is like. Mini I drive, is Mini Driver Meg in Hercules? She is not Meg in Hercules. Yeah. Cole, Meg do you have an idea who she is? 
Um, just based on timing of her career, I am going to guess that she is Jane and Tarzan. You're correct. God damn it. That is, is a total that is a total like when would Mini Driver have been? When yeah. and who would Mini Driver be? That is not me knowing that. That's a guess. It's hard um, throwing these shots out in the dark because I also know that like half of them are just like Broadway actors that were brought yeah. in yeah. to do these performances. Which yeah. is what I think Meg is. Is Meg on the list? I think so also. Meg is not on the list. Okay, I'm gonna go look up who Meg is. Continue. Uh Cole, you will you is it you, right? Yep. Yep. So Cole, um, can you tell me who Billy Joel is? Billy Joel is in Oliver and Company, but I don't know who he does he play the Artful Dodger? He does play Dodger. You're correct. Hey. Wow. Two points to Cole. Um, Meg okay, Meg is Susan Egan, who was Belle on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Like when they brought Beauty and the Beast to Broadway, she was mm. Belle. So she's I uh, did a when I was in COVID, when I was working in COVID testing, I did the Lion King um for probably the four weeks leading up to the thanksgiving day parade and then the two weeks afterwards because they Mm. they had they were like crazy that people were gonna test out before the the parade and um a lot of them were telling me like for disney broadway it doesn't matter if you're working in something like the COVID department when that was something you had to worry about. But like, if you got in the door, if you got a job with the Disney Broadway production, you were basically like putting yourself out there. Like you could get a bit part in an animated thing one day. She is primarily a voice actress. Yeah. She's done a lot of like Miyazaki dub. She does a lot of Disney TV. Like they were basically saying like, I I mean, and I don't know because I'm not necessarily in that world, but they were telling me that like, even the stagehand work on those productions is like, sure. Cutthroat trying to get those jobs. Because once you're in that Disney ecosystem, they were like, they love promoting people from within that Broadway performance. And good for them. Yeah. It's a huge huge moneymaker for Disney. It's a quiet, like monster. The Lion King did their 20th anniversary last year. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, no, twenty fifth. Twenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It was the twenty. It was the twenty fifth. Yeah. yeah. Terrible show. Sorry. So but the new songs are really good. All the songs they added, like Shadowlands, is a really good song. Shadowlands um, is great. Yeah. Connor, can uh, you tell me who Robert Loggia is? <laughs> <laughs> the Loggia. Loggia Rushmore. Let's stop oh, recording its tracks. Um, I was just watching something that he was in one of the Hanks movies, I think. Um, big, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, I have no idea. We don't have any idea who Robert he plays Bill Sykes, the loan shark in Oliver and Company. Okay, yeah. I, a movie I'm not sure I've seen. I was never gonna get that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna there, there are some out. of these that I just put in because they're funny. Maybe <laughs> the no only movie them. Disney movie with a worse soundtrack than Tarzan, though. God, <laughs> he's slinging. Um, Cole, can you tell me who Miguel Ferrer is? Uh, King of My Hearts, but in a Disney movie, no. <laughs> Connor, do you have any idea who Miguel Ferrer plays? No, no. He is Sean Yu and Mulan. Nope, never would have gotten really? that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's offensive. <laughs> I don't like that. Sean Yu's the bad guy, right? The like yes. scary Mongolian. It's a good performance, and now I'm not happy. <laughs> Mulan's good. Connor, Mulan is good. Connor, do you know who Rosie O'Donnell? Uh, oh come is? on! She's, uh, she's Turk the orangutan in uh, Tarzan. 
Correct. She's a gorilla, yeah. but we'll still give it to you. Well, Cole, Cole and I <laughs> talked about that last we week. We had a big Tarzan yeah. combo last week. For some Fascinating. Reason. Yeah. Cole, Cuba Gooding Jr. It's because Tarzan does have like a, a big voice cast. Cuba is also in Tarzan? He is not in Tarzan. He's not. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and now I'm like, oh, wait, it's my, I get to try it. Yeah. You kind of got um, an idea who he is? Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba Gooding Jr. No. Don't know. He's the stallion in Home on the Range. What? That's not a real movie. <laughs> so you can't tell me that he's Walt the Disney Animation no, Jeff, Studios. Jeff, Jeff, I have noticed there's one you conspicuously avoided naming here. There's a, a certain role that you've been dodging. Is it from 2009? Uh, is it from 2009? I don't think so. It's from 2007. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. I'll What's get to it. Um, Peter Yusinov. Uh, is this this is Connor? But I know yeah. this one. Yes, I, I'll, I'll hand it off to Cole because I don't know. It's it the Jungle Book, right? No. What? I could have sworn he has okay, Prince John and Robin Hood. Fuck. See, here's here's what's throwing me off is the fact that those are the same movie. Uh, yeah. Famously. yeah. The animation is exactly. It's like the, the it's like the one. King Neptune in the in the Zeus yeah. thing. It's like they're the same exact yeah. character. Yeah. Yusinov, not an actor I like. An actor I kind of don't like. Very good in Robin Hood. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Um, Connor Gilbert Gottfried. It's Cole's. Oh, Cole. Sorry, yeah. Gilbert Gottfried. I know this one too, so that's yeah. I'm gonna take it though. Yeah. No. In a <laughs> he that's is more of a Yago. Bart Simpson, isn't it? Yeah. I was like, what? Oh me. Where are we going? You oh, know what me. you sound like? You sound like Paul Giamatti in American Splendor when he keeps losing <laughs> his voice. I am losing my voice, guys. I'm what? sorry. You're walking out on me. What a man. Uh, you know, that's a good Giamatti performance. But that that's that's exactly what I'm talking about, where it's like, they're just <laughs> but, like, this guy's <laughs> life fucking sucks. But who's going to fucking play? ugly. And he's sucks. Pico- but that's Harvey Picard's whole shtick. Um, I know. Continue, I know. Jefferson. Connor, can you tell me who Whoopi Goldberg is? Whoopi Goldberg is, uh, I should know this. No, I'm gonna pass. I'm Cole, do you know this? I'm blanking. Oh no, yeah. she's 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 in Hunchback. No, she's, she's not. not. She's not. Well, you lost. she is, what is it? the hyena <laughs> in the lion. Fuck, of course. <laughs> I knew she was one of that. Is... That is it. That is a stock type that reoccurs in Disney movies, right? Don't ask Cole yes. the other hyena. Get get me back with the other hyena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is Davide Chase on this list? If Davide Chase isn't on this list, I'm gonna be very upset. I do Davide not have Chase Davide Chase. Is famous on this in list. my heart. Can we just brief second? David Chase, the best yeah. run any child actress has ever gone on is when David Chase did in the span of two years Donnie Darko, The Ring, Lilo and Stitch, the US dub of Spirited Away. Incredible run. Yeah. She's Donnie's am- sister. She's Samara. She's Lilo. And she's Chihiro. Is it a better think- run than uh, Haley Joel Osment? Yes, because Haley Joel Osment wasn't in Spirited Away. I truly think that uh, Davy Chase being in both Spirited Away and Lilo and Stitch was one of my first, like, oh, actors are in all, yeah. all, all multiple movies. Because it's like, that sounds like Lilo when I watched um Because uh, it Spirited is Away. Lilo. Um, so it's kind of Connor's a, turn. It's uh, your turn, Connor. Cole. Oh, Cole. Wait. Yeah. It's your turn. So, Cole, uh, can you tell me what movie Alfred Woodard is in? Ooh. 
I, I can't, but I'm I'm intrigued. I'm excited to go like rediscover this. Connor, do you know what Alfred Woodard is in? I fucking love Alfred Woodard. Man, is, what a fucking performance. Is Alfred Woodard in Tarzan? She's not in Tarzan. She's in their next movie, Dinosaur. God. Sure. sure. You know what? I take that back. I am not looking forward to rewatching Dinosaur, a bad movie that sucks ass. Cole, did you watch the Once Upon a Studio short? No. No. The, it's really funny at the end because they do like a group snapshot of all the animated characters and there's just this really shittily rendered dinosaur just standing in the corner. Didn't it? Wasn't that? Weren't they pitching? Didn't somebody? Didn't it like Stanley Kubrick originally pitch that movie or so, or like somebody Maybe. like that? Yeah, it has some crazy. Yeah, let me story. look it up. Let me look it up. It was like it's... It, some crazy auteur pitched it like back in like the early eighties. Crazily, uh, I... still Walt Disney Animation Studios. But you can you can uh, you can ask me. I can't verify one. this oh, no, wait, because it's it's too it's too long to be the case. I have distinct memories of that being like the first. Uh, narrative film released in ibex you know but it's that too would make long and, but it's too long and wikipedia says that wasn't what happened so unless it was released digitally i misremember it paul verhoven and his uh special <laughs> effects team for robocop were the yes. ones that were trying to get that, that movie back back in terrible <laughs> back in 1986 they were talking about it if like when they were doing the um uh, I, I forget the 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 non RoboCop like the the bi the bipedal thing. You know yeah, what I'm talking about? It's because yeah. it's it's like you get that like the the effects conception of that movie makes sense from the 1980s because the idea yeah. is that it's all real nature photography with then rendered characters moving through a live action space yeah uh which is why it's always thought it's weird that they call it a wdas movie even though i guess it was probably made by those that team that yeah. like because it's not it's, a, it it's such it's, a weird it's, artifact it's less of an animated movie than john favreau's the lion king or john favreau's the jungle book are yes. is what i'm saying live action well, because in the lion king even the background is Fully CGI. rendered. There's not a yeah. single live action. There's not a single filmed element in the Lion King, except for the first shot. The is first it real? Shot's live action. The first okay. shot's live action. Then there is some. If you're asking yourself sense. why, I'll give you the answer. Nobody knows. Yeah, it's it's one of the great mysteries. That movie is atrocious. <laughs> Connor, uh, Connor, I, Connor I think I think you're gonna have to tell me um, in what movie Emma Thompson uh, appeared. I was just looking at her filmography. I was just looking at her filmography too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Really she's also know in Brother Bear. She's not in Brother Bear. She's she, in oh, Treasure Planet. She's in fucking yeah. yes, she is. I'll be. She's brave. also the voice of the mom in Brave. I think, or she's someone in Brave. She is she also. Is she is the mom in Brave. Brave. Yeah, yeah, I'll be A right Pixar back. Pixar movie. Yeah, I I apologize for running out all the time. I'm not retaining fluids, and I'm so dehydrated, <laughs> so I just like have to pee every thirty minutes. I'm You're so sorry. all good. All right, Jeff. Let's do some. Uh, let's do some throwaway talking. Well, you want to some throwaway going. chatter? Yeah. Okay. So I've been meaning to talk about this the whole time, and for whatever reason, we decided we were going to just talk about <laughs> random celebrities <laughs> that have been in mainstream, literally anything in, uh, but anything. Yeah, in mainstream uh, Disney animated productions. Um, do you have any relationship as a film viewer to Jason Schwartzman? Because him being in this movie in this role is actually one of the more odd things about this movie. In my yeah, he, it's strange that he's in this. Opinion. I yeah. I'm a fan of Jason Schwartzman. 
I like him a lot. I had I my do. Rushmore picks ready for him. I it was going to be Asteroid City and Scott Pilgrim if we did it as yours. I mean, yeah, those are probably. I think I really flip flop. Uh, I don't think I have lived long enough with Asteroid City, and I've all I've also only seen it the one time in theaters. Um, I don't. Is it out on Blu-ray yet? I it is like. out on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a beautiful I say. I will. I will watch it countless times in the coming years but i've lived with rushmore for so long yeah and rushmore is really i i don't know if it's my favorite anderson film but it's like really the 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 one when i was a younger burgeoning cinema fan that like really keyed me into a lot that he was doing and um I really love his performance in that film as well, even mm-hmm. as I don't know how old he actually was when he starred in it. I guess he's 43 now and that so he would have been a teenager at the time. Rushmore's um, near the bottom of my Schwartzman's. Well, you oh, sorry, my Wes is my Wes is. People are allowed to be wrong. From time uh, to it's time, no but... fucking the Darjeeling Limited is what I'm saying. Do we want to do Schwartzman when we're done with the game? Well, I, I was just saying that him being in this movie in the role that he is in this movie as um where are they the sherman brothers yeah. is uh yeah is strange to me it is that weird. that's what he's been like relegated but he to. also does stuff like that like he takes jobs he has to i know he does but like the jobs yeah. he takes are usually like the heavy in scott pilgrim you know yeah but that's a joke he's not the heavy he's the bad guy mm-hmm. may well, whitman's yeah, very the heavy line. yeah oh that is true yeah, <laughs> yeah may whitman's the heavy um, Jeff, can I say, I feel like every name that popped in my head when you said this was the game is not someone you've named yet. I know. <laughs> I'm very interested in seeing where we're going to go here. Um, so, it's my so Jeff, what did you say? What did you say your two Schwarzman fix would have been? Oh, they would have been Scott Pilgrim and Asteroid City. Okay. Well, well, I, can... I'll, I'll cement mine at Rushmore and, um, and listen up, Philip. And we'll wait, wait, wait. Do I not get to do this? <laughs> do I not get to you do can... this? You kind of need Rushmore to be on the Mount Rushmore. You need okay. Rushmore to be on the Mount Rushmore. I'll, I'll, I'll concede. I'll concede my Wait. listen up, Philip pick, and Cole, Cole can get one. You said Asteroid City and what? Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, fine. Um, I mean, Asteroid City is the best one. Um, uh, Seven Chinese Brothers. All right, we got him. Okay. He's on the record. Seven Chinese. He's him. fucking incredible in Seven Chinese Brothers. Uh, playing one of the most like loathsome and unlikable protagonists you've ever seen in a movie. And he and and in Saving Mr. Banks, he and B.J. Novak, who I really kind of flip flop on. Um, so I love The Office, but I think so watching B.J. Novak on screen when I'm watching The Office is typically like moments when I groan throughout watching that series of like, ah, can we move on to to one of the other characters? And I know he was a writer of the show as well, um, but both of them together, like have a chemistry in this film that you want from all duos in mainstream big budget movie making. Is that going yeah. too far to say? Mm-hmm. Like they work well together and they bounce off of each other. Do we think that BJ Novak is the secret father of yes. Mindy Kaling's yes. children? Because yes. I yeah. definitely do. Yeah. Jeff, do you know about this? I have know nothing about this. I don't Mind- even know Mindy- if there's another option. That's, Mindy Kaling has two kids. Yeah. She has never publicly said. She's not only has she never publicly said, but she's like refused to say who the father is. Mm-hmm. Um, she has obviously dated BJ Novak on multiple occasions. He is the godfather of both those children. I I I fully think BJ Novak is probably the father. Yeah, that's that's pretty convincing evidence. Yeah, it's it's very odd. 
Um, it's a funny bit for Mindy Kaling to do. Like, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, oh all right, Jeff, my turn. Yes. Uh, Cole, can you one. tell? Can you tell me what movie Angela Bassett is in? I, uh, she is. She of course did the thing. In Black Panther, <laughs> Wakanda Forever, thing. her second of two Oscar nominations, an obscene travesty. Um, I don't know what she's in. Wakanda, do you have any idea what Angela Bassett is in? No. She's in Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> A movie that You're came also up selecting last movie. week. You're selecting, <laughs> these are, you know, as Cole said, like all the celebrities that come to my head who have been in Disney movies. You're it's selecting movies I, I've I've maybe never seen and I've maybe never haven't seen thought about since the time I saw CG it. Yeah. I picked all these movies by, I picked all these names by how famous they were. <laughs> That's great. I totally believe you. Um, Jeff, What's the next one? What's the next one? Uh, Connor. If I can just say, um, yeah, Epic is based on a children's book by like an, a Pixar animator and story mm-hmm. guy, um, as is Meet the Robinsons. Okay. Uh, both oh, those yeah. both those are based on children's book. That's why that came up yeah. last week. That's so, funny. Yeah, that's cute. That's why it's weird Con- that Epic is Blue Sky, but there's a whole drama around Epic being Blue Sky. I'm sure there is. I, yeah. I'm I'm excited to listen to that episode. I think we've talked about Epic more on this week's episode than we did on last week's episode. <laughs> Connie, do you have any idea what movie Terrence Howard is in? Notorious weirdo Terrence Howard. <laughs> I should. We've talked about him twice on this podcast. Um, is he in A Bug's Life? He is not in A Bug's Life. That okay. is a Pixar film. I am- oh, shit. Yeah, my bad. I am once again going. Oh, off. he's a. I know what it is. Oh, then I know go. Uh, you, you, it's you the, the frog a... princess. He's in the frog princess, right? He is in the Prince and the Frog. You know what role it is. Prince and the frog. Is he the prince? Is no, he, he is guy? her. He is her dead father. Oh shit! Who <laughs> was in one scene at the beginning of the movie? That movie's good. That's a nice little movie. Uh, Cole, Alfred yeah, Molina, just being like Molina, Molina. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Connor, any it's idea? It's probably it He's one Dr. of the Otto Octavius. That's yeah, all Dr. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is the virus in Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah, see, I don't. I've never seen that. That movie's yeah. good. That's a good. That movie. movie's good. It's I've never no Wreck It Ralph. John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, other people you haven't named yet. <laughs> if you put Tudic on this list, I'm going to yell at you. By the way, I did not put Tudic um, on the list. Okay. I also tried to ten of them. I also tried to keep it to characters that are like somewhat prominent in the movie. Yeah, and Tudix not um, that. Well, but he's King Candy, is what I'm saying. Famously, yes. he's King Candy. He's King Candy, but he's, he's also so fucking chicken. good. Connor, have you seen Wreck-It Ralph the first one? I have. Yeah. Yeah, Tudix fucking owns the whole fucking owns movie. bones. Right. I'm running out of time, so we gotta get. Right, no, gotta get we're gonna uh, break four here. hours. All right, here I'm gonna speed run them, and whoever gets it first. Yes, yeah, sure. Otherwise, I will reset after 10 seconds. Okay. That's fine. All right. We're going to run down them. Vincent Price. Uh, Thief and the Cobbler is not Disney, so I don't know. Don't know. Uh, Great Mouse Detective as Radigan. Fuck, of course. Fuck. <laughs> uh, Corey Feldman. Oh, man. Fox and the Hound. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, do you I know that. which of them he is? I don't. He's the he... He's the Hound. He's the Hound. He's the hound. He's yes. the fuck. He's the hound. Okay. Angela Lansbury. Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Uh, Mrs. Well, who does she Mrs. play? Spots. Mrs. Spots. Mrs. Spots. Correct. This is why Moira, I want to go back and forth. Moira Kelly. Moira. Cole, go for it. I don't think I know this one. 
Uh, she is Nala in The Lion King. Oh, is she? Yes. All right. Mel Gibson. Um, Pocahontas, who plays John Smith. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Jason Alexander. This, he is in Hunchback. He's one of the fucking uh, gargoyles in Hunchback. Correct. Wow. This whole time I've been like, who the fuck plays that gargoyle? <laughs> You've been <laughs> lodged in your brain. I know. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox is. He's in Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, in yeah. Atlantis. He's the main He's guy. He's in Atlantis. Yeah, he's the he's... lead. I don't know his name. Yeah. Milo. Because no one's seen that movie. Randy Quaid. Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> Independence Day. The last detail. <laughs> <laughs> he is in Home on the Range. I, you know, I think I actually knew that. He's one of the leads, right? He's the villain. Okay. Jake Gyllenhaal. Hell, man. I don't know. Yeah. He's in Strange World. Great. <laughs> no one saw Strange World. <laughs> it stars Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson is in The Lion King. He plays uh, yes. the, the toucan. Zazu. You've still not named the three most famous people in The Lion King. And I don't <laughs> no. know when you're going to do it. <laughs> James Woods. Hercules. Hercules. Hades. Yeah. You both get the point. I get two. You get two and Cole gets one. I know he's... <laughs> well, Cole, you didn't say it. Fine, fine. I'll be more of an asshole. <laughs> David Spade. Uh, Emperor's uh, New Groove. Connor, you get that. Is that the best Disney movie? It's um, it's up to the top. It's pretty Pull miraculous. Pull the lever, Kronk. <laughs> um, Ethan, Ving Rhames is in one of these movies. Ving Rhames. He's in Tarzan, isn't he? He's not in Tarzan. I thought he was one of the girls. Okay, racist one. Uh... <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He is the villain in Lilo and Stitch. I don't oh, know. Oh, he's the, no, no, he's not he's the, the social he's not villain. Worker. He's a good he's guy. He's the villain. Worker. Yeah, he's a good guy. You're right. He's the social worker. He's a good guy. That movie doesn't really have a villain. Which he's is not actually good. a social worker. Isn't he like an FBI agent? Yeah, he's yeah, an FBI agent yeah. posing as a social worker. Everyone's kind of doing their best in Lilo and Stitch, which is why I like Lilo and Stitch. There's no real antagonist mm. in that movie. It's very Ant-Man and the Wasp in that way. Yes. You know the original like end of the movie was them flying a, a like a Boeing 757 <laughs> through the middle of Honolulu and they they like had it was fully animated. Oh yeah, yeah you can watch it. It's insane. probably for yeah. the best that they cut that. Yeah. I I was telling Becca about that and she's like, "Well, how bad could it be?" And I pulled up the scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons is punched back in the room. No, he's Scar in the Lion King. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Christian uh, Bale. Christian Bale Christ- is in Pocahontas. Because we talked Remember about the it because he's in name. both. I don't know what the character is. He's in name. both Pocahontas movies. He is Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I think iconic Frollo Thomas. is just played by a voice actor or a You know, classic yeah, Thomas. Yeah. Pocahontas. <laughs> Bale's so good in the New World. He is. He's so fucking good in the new world, man. He is so good. When? How long until we get like an incredible bail performance? Or is never it going to happen? It's never happening so? again. You think it's he never lost the ability again. to act? I don't think that's true. I think that's true. I think he's just got to work with a a director that kind of is a, a hard ass to him, and he'll do it. Yeah. Kurt Russell. Death Proof is 
Weinstein post Disney. Um, <laughs> the Iron Giant isn't Disney, right? No, it's Fox, and yeah. Kurt Russell's not in it. I don't know. That's a movie with a good voice cast. Oh, Fox and the Hound. Fox and the Hound. Yes, Fox yeah. and the Hound. Oh, fuck! Of course, he is the grown-up the Fox, right? He nope. is, yeah. yeah. Famously, the last thing Walt Disney ever did was write down the words Kurt and Russell. It's insane. Imagine living your entire life knowing that. <laughs> also played Elvis, tapping into every a, a bad, in a bad Elvis movie. That's not a good movie. Um, oh, Forrest Gump. No, Elvis. You know he plays Elvis, and I know Gump. he does. But he, I'm talking about John Carpenter movie Elvis. Well, I'm talking about Forrest Gump. Yeah. So mm-hmm. oh, he's, bad. he's bad in both of them. Oh. Uh, for for our new season of Travolting, I just watched this uh, Jerry Lee Lewis biopic yesterday. Uh-huh. Oh, is she um, in that? It has, it has the funniest Elvis portrayal of all time. No, she is it doesn't. Yeah, two you scenes. Michael like, Shannon. No, he, at one, Jack he White. At one point, walks Jack into White. The room. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he's in two scenes. He walks into the room, and his army fatigues looks at Jerry Lewis and just goes, "It's all yours now, partner." And actually, walks out. that's like his whole contribution to the movie. Jerry, actually, I say why are you marrying your cousin, Jerry? I say this with full <laughs> sincerity: the funniest Elvis portrayal ever in the history of cinema is the short-lived Martin Scorsese show final on HBO. <laughs> it has, it has the funniest, okay. Elv- it has the like possibly intentionally question mark slash unintentionally funniest Elvis portrayal that has ever been given. So the yeah. guy who plays Elvis in great balls of fire is an actor named Michael St. Gerard. You are welcome to use this in the episode, Jeff, if you haven't recorded it yet. Michael St. Gerard is probably best known for playing Link in the original John Waters hairspray, the Zac Efron role. Mm. But can I tell you this? Oh, in The Legend of Zelda? Yes. Uh, uh, Michael I'm just St. Gerard, doing to you what you do to me. Throw Michael St. Gerard plays <laughs> Elvis in Great Balls of Fire. He is in the Martin Davidson film, Heart of Dixie, in which he plays Elvis. He is in a 1990 miniseries about the life of Elvis in which he plays Elvis and he is in an episode of the greatest show of all time Quantum Leap in which he plays Elvis. Elvis. Isn't it <laughs> dude played me, Elvis four times. Correct me if I'm wrong but isn't the guy that played Charles Manson in Mindhunter also the guy who played Charles Manson in in Once Upon uh, a Time? Once Upon a Time. It's the same guy, right? That's yeah, very interesting. It's the same guy. I never watched Mindhunter, but I believe you. I just like they're like, we don't want to force anybody else to have to do this work. And this guy has already done the work. So we'll just reach out to him. (laughs) You know who is a really fucking good Manson in a movie no one saw is Matt Matt Smith Smith. and Charlie Says. My favorite movie, basically. I love that movie. Uh, Come on. Give me give me the guy I've been waiting for you to say this whole time. Mickey Rooney. No, I don't know. I mean, Probably he's in all those ass. Christmas movies, but those aren't Disney. Yeah. He yeah. is also in The Fox and the Hound as Todd. Oh. All right, we are in the final stretch here. Okay. Uh, Nathan Lane. Lion King. Uh, Zazu. No. Yeah, Zazu. He's Timon. But he's you got Timon. one point Fuck, for Lion right. King. Danny DeVito. Hercules. Uh, fucking Phil and Hercules. Aristotle. Yeah. No, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, Phil. Right. Yeah. All right. Glenn Close. Hundred more Dalmatians is not WBAS. The mom girl. Yeah, yeah, she's not. I was just making a joke. I was just being silly. A little silly. Eddie Murphy. Uh, Uh, The dragon in Mulan. Mulan. Mushu. Correct. Racist name, by the way. Don't 
Yeah. Call, call the dragon Mushu, guys. <laughs> Judy Dench. Judy Dench. If you told me she was also in Tarzan, I'd be like, yeah, she What's just won the Denchy? Oscar. What's Denchy? Yeah. Name me a Denchy thing. I'm going to go with Tarzan. I'm, I'm just not going to pick one. I don't know. Uh, Home on the Range. <laughs> They're all in Home on the Range. I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Roseanne Barr. Uh, Tarzan. <laughs> no, that's wrong. Right. No, she's in Hunchback. Yeah. She's in Home on the Range. Home on the Range. <laughs> 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 Steve you Buscemi. said Roseanne Barr. My brain said Wait, Rosie O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Yeah, uh, Steve Buscemi. Home on the Range. Yes, <laughs> for real. <laughs> yes, I'm just gonna oh, say it. If, if the if the timeline makes sense, I'm just gonna say Home on the Range. All right, we're up to the final one okay. that I've written down. Um, there are some obvious ones who I skipped just for brevity when I was making this list. Broderick. a few months ago. Yeah, uh, like Broderick, James Earl Jones, Kristen um, Bell. Kristen Bell. Zachary Levi. Yes. I should have done Levi. That would have been funny. Josh yeah. um, Gad. <laughs> I think I just forgot Frozen. Anyway, this final <laughs> one has go- this this final one operates on golden snitch rules. Okay. You win you get you 150 get it. points. It's not actually how the golden snitch works, but continue. Um as everyone knows from the beginning of Goblet of Fire. And I think this might be a race because I think you might know yeah, it right away. John Travolta. Bolt! <laughs> Bolton Bolton. Okay, you get the golden snake. Can I tell you something that I have brain worms? I've been waiting for you to say someone this whole game, and you did not say this person. Who is this person? You all first, and it's not Kevin Klein, who you also didn't say. But when you said famous people who do voice work in Disney movies, a certain name popped into my brain, and you never said Tom Holch. I never did say Tom Holch, did I? For Hunchback. Tom Holch is Quasimodo, Connor. Do you know who Tom Holch is? It's Amadeus. Uh, he's he's Mozart and Amadeus. Oh. He's Otter in um yeah. in Animal House. He had like a, a nice character actor run in the eighties, and then is just a Broadway and voice actor guy now. Yeah, you know why I the Amadeus so thing? Good. I didn't know that, but for whatever reason, I, this happens to everybody. But for me, it's one of those cases where like whenever I think of Amadeus. Because of the TH, my brain goes Timothy Hutton. And I just think yeah. of Timothy Hutton immediately instead of Tom Holtz. Yeah. He is in Once Upon a Studio. Yeah. He is. Once yeah. Upon a Studio, weird movie. Yeah. I kind of wanted yeah. to do it on your podcast, but uh, Trouble uh, yeah. not in it. It's such a Let bummer. me bring up right. something before we come to a true end. Does, well, we got another hour to go because we does, haven't talked about Whitford yet. Does, <laughs> does Mary Poppins <laughs> Returns make every sin oh, this movie okay okay okay, yeah. okay shut the fuck up shut the fuck up mary poppins returns is a much better movie than people give it credit for it it's is how i want to yeah. open this conversation because what people don't understand about movie. mary poppins returns is you can say whatever you want about that movie it is the best effect showcase outside of maybe avatar 2 to come out of modern hollywood on a craft level, that thing is mind blowing. You know the thing in Avatar Two where they like painted the guy's hand for that close up to like mimic like subsurface light scattering, so it Paul's would look favorite right. Favorite reference yeah. ever. There's like a yeah. hundred thousand like tiny details in Mary Poppins Returns, like that. I am of the opinion that all the bank stuff in the film Mary Poppins is incredibly upsetting and depressing. It's yes. really soul crushing, and I found this movie like 
again, the whole like Disney propaganda aspect of saving Mr. Banks like undermines anything it could be. But when they're singing the Tuppence song in the rehearsal room and she's cutting back to her father singing the Tuppence song, right? Like that's how she's associating this memory. I was thinking about how upsetting I find that scene in the original. That is yes. just so bleak. The sense that, like, he wants to give the money to the bird lady, and then the bankers fucking swarm over him, right? Yes. The single worst thing in any movie ever made is that at the end of Mary Poppins Returns, yes, you I guys know remember exactly how say. Mary Poppins Returns ends? Yes. That Tuppence ends up generating enough interest to save the Banks family in the future. And just like this movie, any prickly nature to saving Mr. Banks to this complex place with the father has to get fucking flattened and neatly tied up into a celebration of Mary Poppins. Like, the fucking prickly parts of Mary Poppins get fucking bulldozed over in Mary Poppins Returns in the ending. My mother almost walked out of the theater when Dick Van Dyke's like, you've generated interest. It's Uh, so stupid. It's the worst ending ever. And a movie, I think, is like fun. Yeah, it's a it's a fine movie until that point. Rob Marshall can't direct is the big problem, but the I effects think, of that uh, movie are insane. I think I haven't seen that movie since it came out, but like I I remember being pretty moved by Wishaw. And Wishaw's it, great. Yeah. Being like Man. he's he's really he's really given it in that movie in a way that that actors of his caliber tend to hold back when they're kind of slumming it with Disney and and other yeah, the, I mean, properties like that. The thing about Wish on that movie is Wish is good in that movie, but um, that whole movie is kind of just not very good. Christopher Robin and Wish is not as good, yeah, in it as McGregor is in Christopher Robin, which came out six months earlier. Which is I, just the fact that he's Blunt like blatantly bad. playing like a grieving widower, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. And like, and like, yeah, the end of the movie is what, what I brought it up. And and you were right to bring up the end of the movie and how much the end of the movie undoes kind of yes. like the lessons learned in the original. But also, I think what becomes apparent, especially when you're watching Saving Mr. Banks, despite how much it may actually relate to the reality of Mary Poppins, the, the film, yes, yes or no, historically, um, is that when you're watching the original Mary Poppins, it ends with them not actually doing any magic, just flying the kites out there yes. with their dad which is the special thing of the movie is like Mary Poppins leaves when her form of magic is no longer necessary to like keep these children afloat because they have that connection with their father that they didn't have beforehand. And then the sequel ends with Mary Poppins leaving, but then all of them floating up into into the clouds with balloons. And it's like, you're not understanding the lessons of the original film. Yeah. Get it. You you know what the most insane thing in Mary Poppins Returns is? What is that? They wrote a role into the movie for Julie Andrews, and she says no. Yes, and then it's rather than just cutting the scene, they instead put Angela Lansbury into it. Well, you're forgetting the most insane part about that. And is that what does Julie Andrews do instead? She did Aquaman. She does Aquaman, which comes out as the the same day. Um, No, the most insane. The most insane part of Mary Poppins Returns is there's a shot in uh, the 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 live action animated sequence where they're like on a fucking um, 
like cart that's racing down and there's a close-up of like a hand reaching to grasp onto the cart and in the middle of the shot the cart turns from a cartoon to a live action object that has been painted to look like a cartoon completely oh invisibly that's the cool craziest thing about mary poppins returns that's is that it's doing shit like mary poppins returns is the is the movie that picks up the baton from who friend roger rabbit mm. and because the movie's so kind of annoying and Ron Marshall's a bad director. No one really like acknowledges that. In terms well, of it's because it it's because of the Rob Marshall aspect of it, and yeah, you know, I that it, that it's shot like shit, and it's cut to ribbons, and like I don't know really anything about on. him other than the the kind of soulless movies that he's made post Chicago. So like, I have no idea what his good what Broadway he's guy, good Broadway guy. I have no idea what he's about, but yeah. like. When you when you factor in kind of how Mary Poppins fits in with with within the later films of his career, and you also like, it was what I was talking about earlier in this podcast. When you also do the addition of being like, we have to shoehorn in Lin Manuel Miranda into this and Ugh. and bring his entire kind of make this a vehicle for him because we're trying to thrust him. We're trying to to take what had been hip within the theater world with him and like thrust him through that into the Disney apparatus. And it undoes what I was talking about earlier where like Disney has always been a company first and foremost. Yes. But a company that did look many mistakes, song of the South, huge mistake. Yeah. Like notwithstanding was did it? take, did take responsibility somewhat in crafting the stories like crafting yes. stories responsibly to speak to real lessons and real values and real morals that like many of the people had. And yes, it's, it is selling itself to the highest common denominator, but there is something about the artistry that the, that the company itself was like in allowed to enable yeah. that you can understand does not that that method that like that process that philosophy that that route for creativity to be done and for great things to be made no longer exists when you completely lose track of like we are here to tell stories yeah and when we're not committed to to telling stories then the question starts to present itself which is what is the point of any of this yeah. which is Disney... why are people not going to theaters to watch this stuff anymore which is why would people rather spend their time doing other things rather than watch these movies that we're spending billions of dollars conceivably making if you want disney nowadays would never make fantasia yeah they, a movie they that would lost make... so much money yes <laughs> they would make fantasia 3 but they would not make the next fantasia Yes. And we and Cole brought Fincher up earlier and a lot of people for the, over the last 3 years have been talking about the social network a lot because it had this yeah. huge reevaluation at the end of the last decade. Yeah. And when I think about the social network, it's not my favorite Fincher film, but what I always think about it of what it understood that other films of that generation did not understand about the way the world was changing is that if you do not have social skills, if you do not have connection to other people, then you only see the world through the same calculus that companies view customers as a statistic in their mm -hmm. spreadsheets. You only look through life as an algorithm of a way to connect dots based off of market research and consumer profiles and 
things that do not actually speak to any of the intricacies of individuality in any way whatsoever. And when you watch something like Mary Poppins Returns, you can like see that algorithmic calculated filmmaking at least mm. or storytelling at play. And that's what's heartbreaking about it all. Yes. And it's like, yeah, they weren't able to do that when they didn't have computers and they didn't have extensive market research back in the 60s. But like that doesn't mean that they're not capable of yeah. greenlighting stuff in the same of greenlighting stuff and producing stuff and overseeing projects in the same way that they had overseen it back then. The thing about Disney nowadays is like every few years they put out something that really has me optimistic. Where I'm like, oh, they kind of just let this get made. Yeah. And then it usually gets like some terrible reaction from the worst people in the world. And they retreat. It's like the the last Jedi thing. Where it's like, oh, they let some guy come in and just tell this story with this movie. And then uh, Losers Online hated it so much that they're like, all right, JJ's coming back. The Emperor's coming back. We're going to change everything. <laughs> I don't think The Last Jedi can be overstated enough as like the worst thing that had happened to the, <laughs> the American film industry. Yeah. Uh, over Because when, when you're looking at like... All you have to do is go back and remember when the sale to Disney happened, when Kathleen Kennedy like really took over, and it was like J.J. Abrams wasn't her first pick. She reached out to lots of filmmakers to get yeah. the 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 new movies on track, and it was fourth, right? I think so. I think they it was Nolan first, and then Fincher, and then Nolan Fincher, Bird, Abrams. Bird, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. And um, the thing about Abrams is that he does he not really seem to have any type of an original bone in his body in any way whatsoever Doesn't. so what does abrams do he takes a new hope and he's like makes it again how can we make this again for younger people today how can we but it's 17 times the size yeah. of the death star which i know people were like happy with it in the time i think just because of the way it felt and looked but not necessarily they they were over purposefully overlooking the the story when it had come out but i was yeah. always like this is kind of my worst nightmare and then but but not to not to get away from what i'm really trying to say here is like kathleen kennedy and disney were letting filmmakers make something and yes and, Yes. Now that's not the case. They were doing a responsible thing of keeping track of the production, of giving notes, of of providing input. But for the most part on those first two movies, she was kind of laying off and trusting the filmmakers to make something that they had wanted to make. And I think that reaction to The Last Jedi is like the worst thing that ever could have possibly happened. Yeah. Because it 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 it, it, it oh. persisted past Star Wars. Like it, it persisted into of... every other aspect of Hollywood oh, filmmaking. Filmmakers. Yeah. Working on Disney movies. I know exactly Jeff, what you're about to say. Breaking news. I know exactly Our what you're about to say. Long National is over. Destin Daniel Cretton has left Avengers. He's serious. off the Marvel train. You wow. know why? We're saved. I think, you know why I bet that? Why? Um, I bet because that movie is never coming out. That movie's never coming out. They are gonna. They are gonna erase the Kang storyline so quick. So Jeff, you know these things. Um, Mark told me yesterday that they haven't shot Thunderbolts yet. They have not started. So is Thunderbolts never coming out is what you're telling me? Probably not. Well, the thing is. Okay, um, guys, I got to leave. But you guys can keep <laughs> chatting. on. The well, no, I have a game, want. Connor. I have a game. Okay, okay. You have to we, stay. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but can we, can we roll the game, the game real quick? No, I don't yeah. have a game. I'm joking. Oh, okay. I My get, headphones get are also at 5%. Jeff, thank you so much. For yeah, we on. can call it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we're going to call uh, it completely. Okay. Yeah. Save Mr. Yeah. Banks, bad movie that sucks so we'll ass and I don't like it. It's, um, it is it is like 
it is like five steps in the direction of a good movie and then does like a full turnaround, a full yeah. face turnaround. It, it jumps off the cliff. <laughs> um, Connor, you can dip if you want to let me do the uh, okay, sounds the good. outro. Jeff, thank uh, you so much for coming. Yeah. On. Connor, yeah. thank you, for, you guys as well. Uh, Have a good night, buddy. Jeff, you want to you want to plug anything? Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Above the Title. Um, check me out on Travolting, where you just started our new season day that we're recording this episode um, in November, covering the career of Winona Ryder. It's called Easy Riders. Um, should roughly time out that this episode comes out around when you'll see Cole on my show. Uh, Jeff, <laughs> remember when I told you I had, I had made a wonderful discovery? Yes. I will have been on Easy Riders two days ago when this episode oh, drops. Incredible. Assuming everything holds, yes. Oh my uh, yeah, goodness. You can listen to me talk about... Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm sure this could be a very normal podcast recording. Uh, <laughs> Probably Jeff our longest foolish, episode yet. Jeff foolishly told me he has a second record scheduled for that day, uh, which he needs to cancel. No, uh, because you know who the guest is. And I, I know, but wait. you can rearrange things. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make him wait. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jeff, thank you so much. Listen to this podcast. It's a good podcast. It's much shorter than this podcast. I, I <laughs> just want to keep talking because I want to make sure this one does creak on over four hours. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, uh, tell a friend. That's what I was going to say. The strike is over, so hopefully we'll be getting back to more current events. Uh, join us yeah. next week for the fucking train wreck to end all train wrecks. Uh, that is Winter's Tale. Uh, <laughs> and as always, uh, fuck cancer. Stop it, I'll pack of lies. I can feel it coming in the air tonight Oh Lord And I've been waiting for this moment For all my life Oh Lord Hey, listeners of Above the Title podcast. Uh, this is Jeff Sweeney, guest of the Saving Mr. Banks episode, coming to you live from my job on a film set. Um, so Cole informed me that this episode came uh, 53 seconds short of being a four-hour-long episode, which would be the longest in Above the Title history. Uh, I was deeply distressed by this information, so I decided there's only one thing I could do, which is record yet another addendum to the show um, explaining this uh, quandary to you that I can, um, you know, then rectify via the message that I'm recording right now. Um, I still got 20 seconds to go, so I'm going to tell you some fun facts about myself. I was born in uh, Lankanaw, Pennsylvania. I um, went to school in Delaware, um, and I, I am currently on a film set. I already said that. All right, I've hit the, the required seconds. Peace out. Uh, love you all. Uh, bye.